The Start On Demand. On demand. The Friday edition of The Start started a little differently thanks to my stupidity. You'll hear why. Also today we discussed things like paid sick leave. Ontario is looking into it, but Manitoba is looking to the feds. We also talked about how the hula hoop can help you lose weight. We learned about an app that can make things simple for women on their journey to and through motherhood. One of Greg's kids broke curfew, so that led to a whole bunch of great curfew stories. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Friday, April 23rd podcast for The Start. Mackling and McNabb with you on a Friday morning, Brett McGarry. Well, we'll see when he strolls in. I will just leave it at that for now. Loren, it is Friday. Does it matter now more than ever or less than ever that it's a Friday? More than ever. Although I have said often in the past throughout this pandemic that the weekends often feel pretty similar to the weeks. Sure, I, you don't have to get up. If, you, if, if you're one who does the Monday or Friday, you, you have a couple of days to maybe rest or sleep in or get some projects done or hang out with the family. You might be someone who goes into work tomorrow and weekends and weekdays feel the same. But to me, yes, I find increasingly I get to Friday and think I do think that TJ, TGIF more often than not. How about last night? You sent last me a text night. message, which I cannot read on the air right now. Nope. But I think a feeling, a sentiment a lot of Winnipeg Jets fans had last night. Before you even sat down, many of us, it was 2 nothing Maple Leafs. Yeah, I almost didn't turn the game on because I was a bit behind. The kids had different activities last night and I was home with my youngest. And, and he is the Leafs fan. So I thought, ugh, I'd already seen... Things come across Twitter about them being down to nothing. And you know, you know, you're losing when you see the tweets that just say, come on, or pull the goalie, or what's going on? And you think, okay, well, whatever's going on is not good for my team. Turn it on to nothing, but then things improved. It started to become a game and it felt like we're in it, except for this year, Greg, it feels like we're never really in it with the Leafs. Like it, it, with the exception of that one time, was it last week? Um, the struggle is real. The struggle is real struggle. with this team. And so I swore to circle back to my final text of the night. There was some swearing involved because I was done. It's just like they have our number. Well, we will uh, keep you updated. Of course, we'll bring you the details on the game. If you were uh, unfortunate enough or maybe you were fortunate enough to miss it, either here on 680 CJOB or otherwise, the Leafs skating to a 5-3 win. They went up 2-0. The Jets tied it at 2-2. And then about a minute later, the Leafs went up 3-2, 5-3 final. Uh, the fifth goal empty from the netter. Leafs was was an yeah. empty net goal. I hate so counting for, those for all empty intents netters. Of, yeah, like two seconds left. I like to so say four and a half. Of, they got four yeah, and we'll a half goals. Yeah, <laughs> we'll go four and a half to, uh, to, to two for the uh, for the Maple Leafs. Or four and a half to three, rather. Uh, food. We're going to talk about food later on this morning. This originated from some frustration that you're having in the kitchen, I would suggest. Well, I don't know if... I, well, I know I'm not alone on this, rather, because I've 
talk to different friends about it. And, and even last night, for example, I say to my husband, what do you want to do for supper? I don't care. And I was like, I really don't care either. I mean, I might not eat. Like, I know we have to feed our children, but I'm just so bored with coming up with ideas. And at the start of the pandemic, because we had more time and there was nothing going on, you couldn't go do anything a year ago, right? No activities, no place to run, not running to the rink, not running to the pool, not running to the curling rink. You're like, yeah, whoo, I can try different things and we can actually all sit down as a family and we can and have some fun together. And so I was getting really creative and loving it. And now I find increasingly I just, I'm done. I'm tapped out. You're cooking more at home. If your kids are doing some remote learning, they might be at home more. So you're doing more breakfast, lunch, and dinners. Um, you might be in a situation where you've been struggling for work or, or money's not coming in and just putting food on the table, period, is tough. And so there's just all sorts of questions and malaise and tiredness. I'm, I'm languishing, which is my word right now, and sort of just done with everything. And so what, seven? We're bringing on a chef who I hope will inspire me at least for tonight's meal, Greg, because I could use some inspiration in the kitchen. He's going to give us a recipe um, I'm going to hook it this way. It's a Manitoba delicacy. And I think most of us that cook it, then eat it, do it exactly the same way with some variations, at least the cooking part, maybe the preparation slightly different. He cooks it a way that I never even thought about cooking it. Is oh. that vague enough? I think I know. You? I'm hoping I know what you're talking about because if I know what you're talking about, I have some in the freezer. I have some in the freezer as well. So we will get to that around 7 o'clock. But Loren, um, all fun aside, we do like to have fun every single day. But we know COVID-19 is a gigantic concern here in Manitoba. But boy, oh boy, compare it to what's going on in India. Uh, ravaging is the word that comes to mind when I see reports out of that country. Yeah, cases there are, are just soaring. It's 300,000 plus cases a day. And obviously they have a, a a vastly different population than Canada. So those numbers have to be put into context. But what's going on over there is truly heartbreaking. And, and while we were watching the Leafs game last night and, and trying to have some fun, Greg, both you and I were watching stories coming out of India that were that were filling our social media feed. 314,000 new cases recorded Thursday alone. That's the highest daily increase recorded anywhere in the world. The India hospitals are under threat, some issuing notices. They only have a few hours of oxygen required to keep COVID patients alive. And so there's two things to consider here. We're going to get more into this at 637 just to share a bit about what's going on in India. But while that is going on in India, the federal government yesterday announced a ban on passenger planes coming out of that country as well as Pakistan for the next 30 days. And so we have these international travel bans in place because we're seeing those surges in other parts of the world. But then there's just that human aspect. When you, when you see some of this video and you hear the cries of different people going in and out of the hospital and you see how that system there is inundated it's um it's really really heartbreaking to see so we'll get, we'll get more into that at 637 because there's the practical side of it saying yeah maybe shut down the planes or quarantine better or do something more with international travel and then there's just the human toll that this pandemic continues to take I'm going for my vaccine today for the first time, or for my first shot, rather, as uh, so many people have this week. We'll talk uh, about how your experience has been, and also sick leave. You're part of our radio family. Jeff Forche, I'm going to have you bring the music up a little bit. I want to let you know exactly what's going on here. Brett McGarry is supposed to be here this morning. We sense that he slept in, but at the same time, Loren, 
I went through this last night with my son. He was an hour late for his curfew from his bike ride last night. So at 9.30, I'm out driving around looking for him because he wasn't answering his phone either. We're in the same situation with Brett this morning. Uh, we suspect that maybe his phone has run out of battery or something. And of course, he had his vaccine. And so on the other side, we're more worried about him than anything, hopefully, that he's uh, not feeling unwell this morning. Mackling and McNabb with you, McGarry. We're uh, missing you, bud. Where are you at? Send us the bat signal, a call, a text, anything if you can. Send us a text message, 780-6868 on the text line. Uh, we're getting guesses, Loren, as to what Manitoba delicacy I see that. we are going to give you an alternate way to cook. And I will tell you this, it, um, somebody guessed pierogies. It's not pierogies because I think there are four or five different ways that uh, we choose to, to cook pierogies in the first place. So this is a way... I'm I'm sure many of you have never ever cooked this delicacy before. That we'll leave it at that. But I'm sure many talk... have used the butter ahead, and flour to cook this del- delicacy at home. It's a homegrown, yeah. basically favorite in Manitoba, or home consumed. Or so at seven, we're going to talk recipes. We'll share with you his recipe for this Manitoba favorite, and hopefully a few more recipes because we're also just talking the uh, cooking blues this morning. Yeah, and lots of blues on several fronts, but we are going to try and keep it light. In this segment, however, Manitoba's Premier says he still believes the federal government should be providing a paid sick leave program after Ontario announced Thursday that it would be providing more help. Premier Brian Pallister says he was hoping to see a paid sick leave program in the recent federal budget, but was disappointed when it didn't appear. Yeah, the Premier was asked if Manitoba was going to look at its own paid sick leave program because Ontario, after months of saying it wasn't going to do anything on paid sick leave, kind of reversed yesterday and said, yeah, okay, it was going to come up with a plan. Although details from Ontario Premier Doug Ford were pretty scarce. It's that time of the morning where we gather together. We sip coffee, tea, water, Coca-Cola, Slurpees, or whatever your beverage of choice might be this morning on the start. And we talk about something a little bit more lighthearted. So much heavy news in the news this morning. Greg Mackling, Loren McNabb, along with Jeff Forche, Jeff Braun, and Cameron Poitras. Cam, a rough uh, night for the Jets last night, but we want to hear perhaps about a night where you missed curfew and what were the repercussions? And maybe more importantly, from my point of view at least, was it worth it? Uh, I was a good, I was a good boy, uh, Greg. Why would you think that I ever broke curfew once? Okay, fine. Should we just go to Jeff Braun then? <laughs> well, or no, have you got I, a story? I, I never, I never had a curfew. Come on, a never, absolutely never. I, I, I never. You know, I, if I told my parents where I was going to be, that's where I was. I swear to God, I, my, I never had like a, a time when my parents said you have to be home by by this time, and uh, yeah, I, I, I never had to, any issues with anything like that. Ever. Yeah, but did, did you tell them that you're going to be somewhere and then you're somewhere else? No. What? Come no, on, I, I don't buy that. That never happened. Okay, let's go around the table here. Who what? believes Cam's story? Loren? <laughs> I don't believe it. What, what do you Cam think Braun? I was getting Dirty up liar. to? I was... oh, no, no, no. Hold on, Bron. Bron. I believe him because I didn't have a curfew either. And I don't know if it's a small town thing where my parents just assumed, oh, he'll be home 
at, you know, around midnight or one, because what else are they going to do? And um, one of my friends thought he had a midnight curfew, but his, it was his brother who had the curfew because his <laughs> brother was the kind of guy who needed a curfew. And my friend never had the curfew, but only found out like in his 20s, his mom was like, oh, you just always came home at midnight. So we never gave you a curfew because we didn't have to. <laughs> it was the same exact thing with me. But my, my dad or my dad would always stay up and wait for me to get home. He always would do that. But I that's but nice. dads yeah. like to sit sit in the room in the dark. At night. <laughs> All that's sudden, what my dad did, too. The lights turn on as soon as you yeah. walk in. And where have you been tonight? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this is uh, not nearly as dramatic as I was hoping for. <laughs> well, let's as tell was, everybody why we're talking about this, Greg, because say, well, that's important. Yeah, go yeah. ahead, Loretta. Well, well I, I was, of course, trying to go to bed last night earlier than most people do. Uh, not all, but most. And 8.30, I got into bed and Alexander was out for a bike ride. He said he'd be home at, he was negotiating, of course. Uh, he wanted 9. I said 8.30. Jackie said 8.45. He said, fine, 8.37. Very specific time. <laughs> and so 8.35 comes around, 8.45, 5 to 9 comes around. Start calling him, start texting him. Nothing, nothing, nothing. So... Guess what dad does? Puts on the uh, jeans and the slippers and goes out and starts driving around. And of course, as I was filling up for gas, he phones, what's the problem, dad? I'm, I'm, I'm at home. No big deal. I'm fine. Came home and uh, got the lowdown. So I, I wanted to know what the situation was. Forche, can you save us, please? Um, well, for me, it's, it's not really about my curfew. It's about sneaking out. And uh, when I was, I guess I was about 11, and uh, I used to sleep in, in the sunroom, and my next-door neighbor, who's my best friend, same age, so we'd always get into trouble together, and we had planned out, we'd planned to sneak out, uh, you know, during the night, it was dark, and uh, <laughs> snuck out, and we just went out for a walk, we just want to go for a walk, and so I shoved pillows into a sleeping bag on the couch in the sunroom to make it look like I was sleeping, and of course... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah there's the, the sleeping bag stuffed with pillows to make it look like i was sleeping and uh of course and i did have a cell phone at the time i don't have to say that because as a kid i would jump on my bike with my friends and we'd be gone all day and my parents would worry about me so it wasn't like i was texting or, or calling anyone it was for emergencies only mostly for my parents to get a hold of me and so of course my phone starts ringing and me and my uh they didn't fall you mean they didn't fall for that I know they didn't fall for it. It, it, did, it did not look good. Let's just put it that way. And so, yeah, my phone starts ringing, and I go, oh, no, it's my mom. So me and my buddy are booking it back to our houses. And, of course, once I get in, you know, I got the earful. Like, she, was, she, was, like, she was crying. She was very upset. So, uh, How old were you? Were you were 11? I was about 11. And you oh. just wanted to go for a walk? Just wanted to go for Well, it was rebellious, you know? <laughs> yeah. We weren't yeah. allowed to go out at night, so it just seemed like such a good idea, you know? <laughs> My friends and I did that as teenagers, where we'd just camp out in somebody's backyard in a tent, and then at like two in the morning, we'd just, you know, walk or bike around town just to see what was what was going on in town in the middle of the night, and it was never anything, but. It, it, when someone tells you not to do something at that age, it is hard. And I and I do remember now coming into Winnipeg for it was a uh, not a girl guide event. But it was a Pathfinder, which is the next layer after girl guides. And so I would have been like thirteen, I think, or fourteen. And we all came together, just a bunch of girls in the gym that were doing this 
uh, different volunteer and tra- uh, learning different things for Pathfinders, you know, which is about camping outdoors and all that kind of stuff. But we were all at this event together. And now I'm remembering we were told all told to go to bed. We're sleeping in sleeping bags on the floor. And one of the girls says, we should go to the 7-Eleven. We passed a 7-Eleven down the street. Mm. And I'm like, we're in Winnipeg. It's two in the morning. I'm from a small town. Yes, we should go to that 7-Eleven. And we got someone to prop open the gym door and ran down the street as quick as we could with like the $11 and change we gathered from everybody around us. Came back with Slurpees and chips and to our chaperones standing there by the door as angry as all heck. My mom got called, now that I'm remembering. We were threatened to being kicked out of the old... Pathfinder girl guide group. And so now that I'm walking through this, (laughs) it really wasn't my thing, but I, um, I also don't like being told what to do. So anyway, my, my, (laughs) I remember this (laughs) now as we go. And also, I don't know about you guys, but if you ever did step out of line at home in our house grounding, wasn't just like two weeks of not going out with your friends or four weeks. It was stain the deck, clean out the freezer, clean out the bins, get up early, go help your dad, go to work, mow the lawn. Even if the lawn had just been mowed, there were summers where the deck got stained twice or maybe three times because it was just like, guess what you're just doing? Just for punishment? Just for punishment. So, oh, yeah. Nice. Loren McNabb, issue with authority. Yeah. <laughs> Who would have guessed? 780-6868. Share your tales of woe as it, uh, with regards to your curfew. And, and we're already getting text messages. I didn't, I'm like, Cam, I didn't have a curfew. Okay. You guys are well behaved. We want to hear from the misbehaviors. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Uh, I yeah, I'm here. I'm here. I'm going to stay out of this segment. I just wanted to pop in and say I'm sorry, and I will tell you in the next segment what happened and how I plan to fall on the sword and repay my debt to you guys. So <laughs> nothing to repay, man. It's fine. We figured it was all good. A little bit. We were thinking about a search party and how to get to your apartment and if anyone knew the exact apartment number and <laughs> how we were going to sneak in. There were side conversations taking place, but mm-hmm. overall, we were confident you were fine. Uh, anyway. We were prepared to enact our version of the Emergency Measures Act. I mean, I have called your dad. You, you should call Gord and let him know. No, I'm just kidding. I haven't. <laughs> anyway, I'm alive. I'm here. And I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I, I'm, I have things to drop off i've got t-shirts and they still have a prize from a couple months ago that i shall be dropping off this weekend at your place loren and t-shirts at your place greg but in the meantime uh i i was actually i'm glad i made it here just in time for this segment i'm going to back out because i was excited to hear what our next guest had to say uh greg and loren so you guys go and i'll get settled in uh well, sounds good you because read, can you read the first line though because I, I custom made it just for you <laughs> oh okay well then <laughs> oh look at that some of us are eating at home <laughs> <laughs> more than ever and it could be takeout it could be pizza deliveries it could be just cooking and i was saying to you guys earlier this week that i'm i'm done with the cooking i don't care what's for supper i am all tapped out at the start of the pandemic i'm pulling out the instapot pulling out the reclack trying all sorts of new ideas taking recipes homemade soups the freezer is full because i have the time and we have the time to sit down together well, I'm out of ideas. Every day I go for a walk with my friend and we say to each other, 
any ideas for supper tonight? And then she says something and I say something and I just, I'm done. I'm looking for inspiration in the kitchen, Greg. I want an easier meal solution, maybe a cheaper meal solution, maybe a meal rotation. I just need inspiration. All right. So to get inspired, I reached out to our good friend, Kevin Bergen of The Main Ingredient. And I said, Kev, you got to help me out. Help us find somebody who can share with us different ways to make the same old, same old exciting again. And we are enlisting professional help. Another Kevin. And we welcome him to the start for the first time. Chef Kevin Funk. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning. How's it Thanks going? Thanks for, uh, for being up with us. And uh, for those who'd like to see Kevin as we chat, you can check out his social media at Kevin, pardon me, at Chef Kevin Funk on Instagram, on Twitter, although he doesn't post there as often as he does on Insta, and then also uh, ChefKevinFunk.com online. So the kitchen malaise Loren is feeling. How do we make mealtime less stressful, less mm, mournful, shall we say? <laughs> Uh, keeping it simple. That's the best way to keep the stress out of it. Uh, for me, we just uh, we try to be as creative as we can, but we keep it simple. So, uh, yeah, I mean, even for me, uh, being home so much, finding ideas for my family, uh, just keeping it simple. So what are your, some, of, some of your go-tos then, Kevin? Because, you know, with kids, they also like certain things. And so parents might get sick of what the kids want because I will say, you know, I cannot do chicken fingers one more time or pizza yeah. one more time unless it's different. So how do you keep it simple but give it a bit of intrigue, so to speak? Um, well, my, my kids, they love pastas and fish. So we do a lot of different things with that. And those are two things that you can go in many different directions, uh, just changing up the sauces or the way you do it. Um, so with fish, um, we, do an, we do a baked walleye or a baked tilapia. If you can't get access to walleye, we do a lot of fishing, so we get our own. But you can get tilapia and stuff like that. And instead of frying it, uh, typically growing up, we just bread it and deep fry it. And I love that. That's a great dish. But it does grow tired after a while. So we decided we're going to mix things up and just try it baking them in the oven and we do different things we do a mediterranean style so we'll throw olives and tomatoes on there wrap it in parchment paper little olive oil and some lemon and throw it in the oven and it's quick it's not uh, it doesn't take time it doesn't it's very simple to do and it turns out great nearly every time i have to jump in here greg because i think you do have some in your freezer i know i have some pickerel in the freezer so do you put it in frozen in the parchment paper um, no. Or do you do you make sure it's defrosted? Like walk us through a bit of the steps, and then how long do I cook it for? At what temperature? Yeah, so you definitely want to thaw that out. Um, so we would put the oven at about 350 degrees uh, Fahrenheit, uh, and then it, this only takes about 20 minutes. So what you're going to do is you're going to lay out parchment paper, uh, drizzle a little olive oil on there, lay the fillet on, and then we egg wash the edge of the parchment paper because you're going to lay another sheet on top once you have your other ingredients on the fish. And that kind of, you fold the edges over and it kind of seals it. So essentially it's steaming it within the oven uh, in the parchment paper. Uh, and it takes about 20 minutes, 15 to 20 minutes, depending on the size of the fillet. Um, but yeah, we top it with different things. Our go-to here though is uh, it's kind of that Mediterranean style with the uh, olives and the tomatoes. And we do actually do some nettle in there, like stinging nettle that's been dehydrated. That's not readily available, but we have a bunch of it. So we use that too. Sounds delicious. And 
I think I hooked it properly earlier this morning because most of us imagine doing the egg wash, putting the flour, and then maybe you put a batter on and then deep fry it. That's the way most of us do walleye, and it's delicious, and, and or pickerel, however, however you uh, determine uh, the difference. Uh, we can have a discussion about that at a different time. But uh, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the thing for us in our house is we love to eat it that way, but it does feel like such a science uh, project to put it together, but it's worth it in the end. But this sounds like a, a way to make a pickerel a little more simple. And once again, maybe to, to mess with the taste a little bit and, and jazz it up slightly. Uh, let me ask you this. Um, your daughter Sawyer has a YouTube channel, so it looks as though she's got the cooking bug as well. Yeah, she does. She started that back at the start of the pandemic last year when school was out. And she'd been asking me to do something like this for a couple of years. And at the time, she was uh, she was just five turning six. And now we had the time before that we didn't have it. So I'm like, you know what? Let's do it. And uh, we started her channel. And she loves cooking. Uh, and it just kind of took off from there. She loves being behind the camera or in front that- of the camera. Sorry. No, that's okay. I was going to ask, maybe that's a way too. I've heard from parents over this pandemic that they've used the extra time to teach their kids to cook, to bring them into the kitchen. So is that a way to get them more involved and maybe make it a bit more fun? And then it's their ideas. Okay, well, what do you want? You come in and cook it with me. Absolutely. I mean, they're way more likely to eat whatever we put in front of them if they're involved with it. Um, if I just go to my kitchen and start making them food, uh, they're they're less inclined to give it a try. They're they're kind of picky eaters. Sawyer not as much, but um, when she or my son is involved in the cooking, they're like, okay, I want to try this because I had a hand in this. Chefkevinfunk.com online. It's a terrific website. All sorts of meal ideas and recipes. And if you want to follow Kevin on Instagram at Kevin Chef, I did it again at Chef Kevin Funk. Kevin, thank you for this. Um, maybe you would agree to come on with us uh, again, and we won't get you up so early this this next time. Well, thanks for having me. Absolutely, I'll come on again. I'm I'm up at four thirty five every morning anyway, so oh. <laughs> you might as well host the show with us then. <laughs> I'm an early riser. <laughs> I'm gonna, now that Kevin. I have your cell, I'm going to be calling you tonight on this egg wash situation for the pickerel, though, Kevin. You're going to have to right walk on. me through some of this. Will do. I'm, I'm pulling it out, Greg. Going to go upstairs and get the pickerel in this break. I'm All reignited. Right. Inspiration See, on the way. Love it. I'm here, and I am so sorry, guys. I I was up. I got up at two thirty. I got up, and I sat down on the couch for a minute. And then suddenly it's six thirty-seven, and I'm and I, I wake up and I'm like, "Why is there daylight in my apartment right now? What is it Saturday?" And I grab my phone to check, you know, because it says Friday or Saturday. Like my phone's dead. I can't figure it out. And then I then it it finally took me a couple of minutes to connect the dots and realize, "Wow, I slept in, so I sh- I should be at work right now." The only other time this has happened uh, is when I was actually filling in for Jeff Braun. I think like nine years ago. Uh, so I am sorry, Greg Mackling. I I fall on the sword. I am in your debt. Do not apologize for anything. We were more concerned about you than anything because you know we have imaginations, and that's the way things work in our brains. As oh gosh, because this is so unlike you. If it was like you. We wouldn't be worried at all. Oh, this is just Brett being Brett. But we know how you are. 
<laughs> and the fact that you weren't here was, you know, a tiny bit concerning. And I mentioned earlier that you'd had your first shot of, of the AstraZeneca vaccine. And so uh, I hope I wasn't implying that, that I was worried that you had succumbed to the vaccine. No. In some way. Just, that, <laughs> Just that you were tired. Yes, because so many people are reporting being exhausted after having the vaccine. So if anybody took it that way, that was not my concern. My concern was more an understanding that so many people have had these uh these uh, repercussions from having the vaccine and that are exhausted. And even someone, one of our loyal listeners, Michael, who works in the healthcare field said, you know, a lot of people are actually booking the, the next day off from work when they get the vaccine. So, so that's what I meant by that. Just happy to have you here, pal. Thank hey, you. I'm going to per- not gonna pretend I didn't go dark for a bit too. I did walk through the scenario. He always texts us when he's in the cab. And so there's the brief window when he might've gotten out of the cab. Was there a, no, let's not go down the road of a mugging. But I briefly went down the road. I, I talked myself out of it. And then I was like, I got to call Gord, I think. Got to get Gord up. Gord's going to do his father-son check. That was my next step. He does have a spare key, so he probably would have come down. See, that's what I need to know. I was like, someone in his life has a spare key? You know what? Just text me your dad's number for all sorts of reasons. Because I'd love to just talk to him once in a while anyway. And then I have it should we find ourselves in this scenario again, okay? That's actually probably not a, a bad idea. <laughs> Hopefully this doesn't ever happen again. It's now That's now twice in my career that I have slept in for the morning shift. Uh, it's the worst, the, the worst nightmare uh, as far as work goes has been met. So I am sorry and I shall repay this debt to you. <laughs> and uh, sorry to you as well, Jeff Fortier. And I see we're talking curfews today, Greg. <laughs> yes, Brett. Well, one of the boys went out for a bike ride last night. Long story short, he came home an hour later than he was supposed to. Uh-oh. And I was out on the out on the prowl looking for him when he was about 20 minutes late because it's very unusual for him to be late. In fact, he said he would be back from his bike ride at a very specific time. We were negotiating and landed on 837 somehow, splitting the difference a couple of different times on on times that he suggested that he would be home. Anyway, so I thought, oh, curfew. Uh, how about the time that you broke curfew and how much trouble did you get in? Or apparently we work with a bunch of goody goodies because uh, nobody admitted to really ever breaking curfew except for Jeff Forche, who snuck out in the middle of the night at 11 years old. You know what? Maybe we're the jinx for Brett because the opposite happened like late <laughs> for coming home. And you broke your waking up curfew as opposed to your getting to bed curfew. Can we can we spin it like that? Like, like put the blame back on us, Brett. No, it's no. our fault. We launched this this morning. You know, I was thinking, I've been thinking this week, I could, I, should, I could really use a vacation day. So this, this is not how I planned to do it. But you know what? The Please cur- do the appropriate paperwork next time. <laughs> the, the curfew thing. Oh, my parents, my mom in particular would enforce the curfew. I never, I don't think I ever got in trouble for breaking it. But if I was like 30 seconds late, uh... I would get into serious trouble. And I, I remember racing home in the, my parents' Pontiac 6000, and I'm like, uh, <laughs> I, I get, I pull up to the house. I think my curfew when I was 16 or 17 was like 1.30 in the morning. 
Uh, and I'd be pulling up to the garage at 129. And it wasn't just you you have to be in the house by 130. And if I wasn't in the house by 130, they'd be there waiting. At least one of them would be there waiting. So the curfew, man, it, it can be a horror show. So an hour, Greg, an hour. And I see mm-hmm. we've got some great stories here from uh, from Cat, for example, Greg. Yeah. Cat shares with us, my kids never had a curfew because we lived six miles out of town, nowhere to go, unless I drove them. It got more complicated once they could drive, but they still needed to borrow my car. But after my oldest turned 18, well, he borrowed my car and disappeared for not an hour, not two hours, not three hours, three days. Wow. Not answering his cell phone. I called the police, reported him missing. They tracked him down at his friend's place in a town 40 minutes drive away. Told him to get home. His friend's parents had been thrilled not to have the RCMP show up at their doors. He came home angry at me. (laughs) Mom, I'm an adult now. I can do what I want. (laughs) So I had to roll out the old not under my roof routine or with my car lecture kids sigh yes brett kids do what exactly uh ruin everything that's correct sir (laughs) they're also pretty funny though when you start giving them a bit of a leash like when you say okay like you know you have to be home by six o'clock what time is it now look at your watch it's five be home at six and at 602 you can just see them racing around the corner on their bikes like yelling i'm here i'm not late like because they don't want to at that young age do the wrong thing they're so nervous so that can be cute too and loren uh this story from joanne looks like fun too Well, Joanne had texted earlier because, as you said, we were talking about, um, and I'm sorry, guys, you'll have to read the text from Joanne. I have had, for the third day in a row, just a full spinning wheel of death, as we call it. Oh, the spinning wheel of death. That's driving me nuts this week. Okay. Well, Joanne says... I was trying to. That's a that's an entirely separate segment. Uh, I think that spinning. we can do. <laughs> Making me sweat like I'm so nervous watching this thing spin. Okay, go for it, Joanne. We're, we're going to see if we can get through. Jo- if it's still spinning by the end of Joanne's text, <laughs> I was trying to sneak upstairs one early morning when I was 16. Two reasons I got caught. One, the stairs were so squeaky, and no matter where I tried to place my feet on each step in the perfect spot not to make a sound, that did not go well. Two, it really was way too late, or let's say not early enough, for my dad to not be easily woken. He was probably already awake before my feeble attempt to sneak in. When I slowly got to the top of the stairs, there's my dad standing there with his arms crossed asking, so where do you think you're going? I meekly replied, I thought I'd go to bed. The heck you are, was his reply. There's work to be done. Get changed and get outside. Off I went to rake hay in the heat of the day all day. I was very thirsty for two reasons. I will never forget that day as I ran out of water and was ready to drink the radiator water before I was brought more water. Good old farm life would never trade it any day. Oh, yes. I was saying, Brett, on the farm. We, when we were grounded or late, the work had to be done. You were up early. You were doing all sorts of things, and you weren't getting anything done there, and I'm not getting anything done here as the wheel is continues it still spinning? to spin. <laughs> oh, no. Unplug. That's no, if I do that, point. no, I, if I do that, I have, it is a full 20 minutes before this thing is back up. It's oh. so slow. Oh, and, and you have all of your two, multi-step authentications to go through. Right now, 
We want to talk about how Manitoba's premier says he still believes the federal government should be providing a paid sick leave program after Ontario announced Thursday that it would be providing more help. Yeah, Premier Brian Pallister says he was hoping to see an extension and amendments to the paid sick leave program that the federal government currently has in place. And he was hoping to see that in that federal budget that came out this week and was disappointed when that didn't happen. Ontario's Premier Doug Ford has pretty much said the same thing, that he was hoping turning to the feds for support. But with cases rising in Ontario and other parts of the country, leaders, provincial leaders, have increasingly been criticized for maybe not doing more to protect the people who feel they have no choice but to go into work while sick. Randy Robinson is with the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives out of Ontario, and they've been fighting really coast to coast this group for a better program, and he joins us now. Good morning, Randy. Uh, Good morning. So, Randy, the federal government does have a sick leave benefit in place. It was put in place, you know, a few months into this pandemic. Why isn't that one good enough? Well, I guess it goes down. It's Canada, of course, so we have to talk about jurisdiction. And things like sick leave, vacation pay, minimum wage, all the employment standards that are the basic four when you go into the into work are provincial jurisdiction in 94% of workplaces. There is some federal jurisdiction, but it's only 6%, and that's like railways and the post office and things you think of as, as federal. So there's no question that the question of sick leave is provincial jurisdiction. What happened last year was the premiers, primarily led by uh, BC Premier uh, Horgan, uh, were calling on the federal government during the negotiations around safe restart of the economy to say, you've got to do something for people who call in sick. So the federal government uh, concocted the Canada Recovery Sickness Benefit. Uh, The problem with the benefit is that it's not real sick leave. What it really is, is an unemployment insurance program. And it's one of those things where you have to know about it, first of all, and I'm not convinced all Canadian workers know that it exists. You have to apply for it. When you get paid for it, you have to wait to get paid for it. And when you do get paid for it, you have to take a pay cut in almost every instance because the amount that they pay is $500 a week. And if you make more than $500 a week, you're taking a pay cut because you phoned in sick. So it's not a very effective program. So, Randy, uh, you know, this is a politicization of this issue uh, in the view of a lot of people. Feds arguing with the province, province arguing with the feds. But are provinces reluctant to bring in stricter sick leave legislation because of politics and the fact that there will be constituents, uh, business owners in particular, like, hey, we can't, aff- we don't want you implementing this. This is this is not good for business in your province. Well, we have employment standards because there are certain rules that every business has to follow. I mean, that's why there's a minimum wage. Uh, that's why we don't have child labor anymore. And I think it's fair to say that if you're a business that can't provide a couple of sick days per year and can't afford to do that when your own employees who are responsible for making your profits are not able to work, then maybe you don't have a very good business model and shouldn't be in business in the first place. Um, That said, you're exactly right. There are very strong interests that are lobbying against that. And here in Ontario, our Premier Doug Ford, and I'm sure your Premier is the same, uh, being equally conservative, are, are lobbying hard, or not lobbying, they're insisting that uh, they can't put any more uh, burden, they call it, on businesses. Uh, and one of the things we say to that is, well, wait a second here. Yes, 
the pandemic is having a terrible effect on a lot of businesses, and you should help them. But it's not having a terrible effect on Amazon or Loblaws, or I could go down the long list of profitable corporations that are making out like bandits during this uh, recession. And, uh, you know, they have a responsibility to provide uh, paid sick leave to their workers. We're at the stage now in Canada where we have uh, about 58% of workers do not have paid sick leave, about 42% do. Uh, the ones who do have sick leave know what sick leave is supposed to be like. You wake up in the morning, you're not feeling well, you think you might have symptoms of COVID even. You phone in to your boss, you say, boss, I'm sick, I'm staying home, the boss says, okay. You continue to get paid uh, just as the way you did before. You don't take a pay cut. When you feel better, you go back into work. That's what a real paid sick leave program is like. With the Canada Recovery Sickness Benefit, what you have is a series of hurdles that you have to jump over to get to a place that you don't really want to be anyway, which is taking a pay cut. You say it's the province's jurisdiction. Is there any province doing this? Um, there are a cut. There are two provinces that already have sick uh, leave. One is Quebec and the other is Prince Edward Island. They have rules around how long uh, you have to work before you can uh, you know, achieve that. But... Um, there's, it's, it's not me saying that it's the provincial jurisdiction. I mean, we know in Canada that health care is provincial jurisdiction, that education is provincial jurisdiction, and we know that employment standards are provincial jurisdiction. There's no question about that. In Ontario, funny thing, well, it's not funny, uh, that prior to the election of this government, we did have two, count them, two paid sick days uh, that applied to all uh, provincially regulated employers. Uh, there were no complaints that businesses were going bankrupt because they had to pay two paid sick days for the simple reason that the businesses that already provide sick days weren't going broke either. So, you know, that was fine. It wasn't that onerous. When this current conservative government in Ontario got in, the Ford government, um, they eliminated those two paid sick days, and uh, Premier Ford here has, uh, you know, refused to uh, put them back. Randy Robinson with the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives out of Ontario. I know this debate will rage on, as we say, uh, for days, if not weeks, in this country. Thanks for the time. Uh, You're very welcome. A few weeks ago, we were having a chat about exercise or taking a stroll down memory lane with Hal Anderson about one thing or another. And the hula hoop came up, Greg. Yeah, and very quickly, Loren admits that the hula hoop isn't exactly her activity of choice. What did you say about your hips and, and, and your inability to keep the hoop on your hips, Loren? No, I actually was in the store the other day and um, my son was like, oh, what's this? I don't know why he hasn't seen a hula hoop before, but he hadn't. So we pulled it out. And I said, well, let's get one. And I said, I'll show you. <laughs> and then I, it spun like a half time down my waist. I was like, all right. <laughs> clearly, I don't know how to hula hoop anymore. <laughs> so so you showed him how not to I show how, And then he tried to do it. He's like, well, what do you do? And I was like, I am showing you. And then I was like, I am not showing you. So yes, it can be frustrating. <laughs> so I have to admit something. I didn't put together the fact, <laughs> you guys are going to laugh at me, that the hula in hula hoop comes from hula dancing, like the Hawaiian hula dancing. I, I didn't put that together until, what do the kids say now? I am today years old when I realized <laughs> 
feeling a little silly about that one, I have to confess. <laughs> so anyway, going back to our discussion from a couple of weeks ago, as usual, one of our radio family, one of our listeners texts us at 780-6868 and says, hey, hold on, there's a woman here in Winnipeg who conducts hula hoop classes and uses the hula hoop as a fitness tool. We're like, of course, come on, really? Well, it's fact, McNabb. Yeah, it has a nice ring to it. Get it? Ring? Who? No. <laughs> All right. I like so it. So we have finally made connection with said hula guru. She is a hoopiest and founder of Current Motion Hoops. And we would say good morning to Carrie Blackburn. Good morning. Good morning. Well, thank you so much for joining us and, and talking us through what I didn't necessarily think would be a full-on physical activity. So just just in case people don't know, we're talking about just the regular old hoops that we probably all had as kids, or maybe your sister or cousin or someone had them, and it's turned into a class? Uh, yeah, so when people think of the hula hoop, they often just like reserve it for childhood, but it's something that everybody can do. Now, you were mentioning you had a little struggle with the hula hoop. The difference is that one's for children. As an adult, you don't wear children's shoes. You also don't use children's hula hoops. So a bigger hula hoop is what you need to have success with hula hooping. <laughs> oh, I can blame the hoop. I like this. It's the hoop's problem. Yeah. <laughs> blame the hula hoop. <laughs> okay, so if, if an adult wants to walk into a store, like let's say I decide, you know what, I want to get a hula hoop, but uh, I'm going to feel awfully silly doing this or maybe even just trying it. So if somebody wants to do it maybe, but is too inhibited or feels too like this is for kids, how do you, what would you say to somebody to get over that? Well, when it comes to hula hooping, the only way to do it wrong is if you're not smiling. So if you're having fun, if you're playing with it, you're, you're just going to have a positive attitude going into it. As for going into a store to buy a hula hoop, there just simply isn't any place that you can go to, like Walmart or Canadian Tire, to get an adult hula hoop. Those kind of lousy ones on Amazon, which I will discourage people from even attempting to purchase. And it's always good to support local anyways. So there's, uh, well, I'm the number one hoopist in, in Winnipeg, so adult-sized hula hoops can be purchased through me. But there's also other uh, Canadian hoop makers uh, that ship anywhere, basically around the world as well. Okay, so Carrie, uh, tell us a little bit more about Current Motion Hoops and how it ca came into being, because I understand you uh, sort of turned your life around in terms of your physical fitness with the hula hoop some time ago. Yes, actually, I like that been around, uh, kind of pun intended there. Uh, there's no end to the puns with hula hooping. But when I got into it, I actually took it up for weight loss. So something that we don't most don't realize is 10 minutes of hula hooping is equal to one hour of walking. You burn 100 Ooh, say calories that again? in 10 minutes. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. One more time, Carrie? How, how sure. much? What's the ratio? So 10 minutes of hula hooping is equal yeah. to one hour of walking. Ooh. So in 10 minutes of hula hooping, you burn 100 calories. So that had great appeal to me. Uh, actually, about 12 years ago now is when I first picked up the hula hoop as an adult. And I made myself a rule. I had to hula hoop for five minutes each day. If I felt like going longer, I absolutely would. But if I didn't, I would put it down like on the couch or on my bed, somewhere where it was in the way so I'd remember to pick it up again. <laughs> but I never wanted it to feel like a chore, like begrudgingly having to pick up my hula hoop and play with it. 
So with that five minutes, more often than not, it would grow into an hour or two, whatever I had time for. And in the first two weeks of hula hooping, I lost 10 pounds. I, I, and I realized I was onto something. I, I was having a lot of fun doing it. And I was seeing like tangible, actual change in my, in my body and my energy. So I continued on this journey and came to discover uh, some YouTube videos. There was like four or five of them at the time teaching different ways to move inside the hula hoop. And so I began to explore more of like the hoop dance side. And then when I say hoop dance, I mean uh, not the Native American style of hoop dance, but more of flow and movement inside the hoops, lifting it on and off the body, spinning it on my hands and doing kind of trick based movements. So I continued on this hoop journey. And uh, in two years, I lost 75 pounds, and I just realized I found my passion and my talent in that time. So following all the weight loss, I, I kind of was like, well, what's next? Um, and basically, if there's something that you love, there's going to be other people in the world that love it too. And so I found out that there was like hoop conventions and retreats and um, other hoop gatherings literally around the world. So I began to travel. So I took my hoops with me to 18 countries to learn, teach, perform, but mostly just play and see the world. And then while I was living in New Zealand, I started Current Motion and I uh, realized that there was something to it. There was a lot of people that wanted to take classes and learn how to use the hula hoop. It was something that they had maybe been playground shamed as a child. And now uh, I came back to Winnipeg started teaching hula hooping here and I did that for about six years full time. So you mentioned, and I have to admit, I've gone down a rabbit hole. Uh, this happens often, Karen. I, I, so Carrie, my, at seven o'clock we were talking, um, recipes. And so I went down a rabbit hole of pickerel recipes and now I'm Googling <laughs> hula hoops and in particular weighted hula hoops. So if someone wants to get into this, you mentioned don't buy the kids brand. What should I be looking right. for? So when it comes to hula hoops, the weighted ones, I actually have a special hate reserve for them. They are cruel than usual. They hurt a lot. And when people think weighted, they're like, oh, well, I, I want to pump iron with my abdomen. Mm -hmm. That's not the case. Our abdomen is an area that is very sensitive. So if you have a even a three to five pound hula hoop, you're going to encounter bruising and a lot of tenderness. And it takes the fun right out of it. So what should I be what doing? I recommend is going for a hoop that's heavy enough you feel it on your body, but not so heavy that you're going to cause pain and discomfort. So the hoops that I design, they are simply the weight of the materials they're made out of. So it's about one to two pounds. So it's just enough where uh, you can connect with it. Now, I remember having in school, almost, I think it was like a wooden hula hoop. So it had, it did have some weight to it. Unlike those, mm -hmm. you, you know, tubular plastic uh, hula hoops. What are yours made of? You said a variety of materials. What, what sort of options are there, Carrie? Right. So my recipe, um, essentially it's irrigation tubing. So it oh. is, uh, without giving away my recipe too much, I use that paired with, um, different styles of tape, so uh, electrical tape and gaffer tape. So what it does is it gives me lots of color combinations, so they're vibrant, but also lends to having grip on it, so it makes it easier to keep the hula hoop up. And before we let you go, Carrie, uh, in terms of the... I, I would imagine that this would be good to help sort of combat the effects of 
aging in some ways too, right? And like in terms of keeping our joints loose. Yeah, it's a very low impact. So uh, if you're able to walk, you're able to hula hoop. And having the right equipment for it makes all the difference in the world. All right. Well, hey, this sounds like a lot of fun, and you've given us some stuff to think about. I mean, I never, ever would have thought about hula hooping as something that could help you drop some weight, uh, but it sounds like a fun way to stay fit. So, Carrie, thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate the time. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. As uh, I bow my head in permanent shame this morning, having slept in and not arrived until 7 o'clock. One of the things you guys had on the docket for today and that we've been discussing today, Greg, is paid sick leave. And I want to ask you, because you've worked so many jobs over the years, uh, and we keep learning about new jobs that you've done (laughs) in the past. Um, I would imagine that there are jobs that you've worked where you went into work even though you probably needed to take a day off because if you didn't go in, you wouldn't get paid. No question. The restaurant business is the best example of that. If you didn't show up, you didn't get paid. And uh, that, I think, caused some serious issues with regard to spreading germs and spreading illness. And if one person got sick, then eventually everyone got sick. And, you know, you weren't really in the restaurant business if you were a server for the for the three or four or five or six or $9 an hour, whatever the minimum wage might've been when you did that job, you were there for the tips. And so, yeah, you dragged yourself out of bed and you did what you could every single day to get to work. But that doesn't mean it was the right decision always. And we've experienced it in our industry. We know that typically in the past, if one person got a cold, you knew that the chances were you were going to get it as well at some point. And one of our listeners, uh, when we had our conversation uh, with our guest from the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives, said the guest about sick days is out to lunch and has no idea how a business is run. The majority of small businesses barely make a profit and can't afford to pay people to sit at home, nor is it their responsibility. And Loren On the flip side, I've had some incredible employers over the years that value their employees and know that a healthy employee is a productive employee. Yeah, like I hear where people are coming from if you are a small business and margins can be really thin. And so if you have to offer a paid sick leave program beyond three days, three days might be a standard of the days of yore, the days of past, because now with quarantines and COVID and, you know, we're talking about 14 days people have to take off. That's a lot of unpaid time, which is why some people were choosing to go into work sick, maybe even going into work when they knew it might be COVID. And so that's, that's where we're at right now, why we're having that conversation. So I appreciate that it is really hard for small businesses, perhaps now more than ever, to have to take on more costs in providing those benefits, which is why people are turning to governments to say, well, what are you going to do to invoke legislation that would mandate this and or provide some sort of help or relief, whether that comes from federal dollars or provincial or other. But if you look at it the other way, the more we're going into work sick and spreading that around, well, it just keeps circling. And so people are out Regardless, and I, I can't imagine that feeling of having to go in sick right now because I wouldn't 
have a paycheck if I didn't. And that's where we're at. That's why this is coming up. That's what we doctors have been saying over and over, particularly in Ontario. ER doctors have been stepping up and saying, hey, a patient just came in today and was trying to like pull out his own IV and his oxygen mask and all the rest to go home because either he has to work or he has to go home and take care of the kids so his wife can work because they have no alternative. And that shouldn't be the way where we're at either. Something does have to change. Let us know what you think, 204-780-6868. Also, Loren, I salute you for using the term the days of yore. (laughs) As I said it, I was like, is that even... Do you ever just say things and think to yourself, is that even the phrase? Yeah, you know? it, it like is. Words come out of your mouth and you're like, is it days of yore or shmore? Or? Not good for you. My favorite <laughs> stories are about gallant knights and fair maidens in the days of yore. What is yore? <laughs> That's in back in the days of wooden hula hoops. Long, according long to time ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, you had a, wo- when you had you a wooden... <laughs> when were you born? I, I got to be honest. I didn't want to pull out an ageist remark, but the wooden hula hoop... Mackling McGarry McNabb, our question of the day at cjob.com has to do with curfews. When you were a teenager, what was your curfew? Question of the day brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace, 204-832-6243. And we've been asking you to tell us your curfew stories. Like, Greg, do you see this uh, one that I put in here? Maybe you read it already. It came in before 7 o'clock before I got here. Um, nope. Okay. So what does this one have to say? <laughs> it says, I used to come home by curfew and then sneak out my basement window hop the fence one night i came home and tried to sneak out the window and quickly found out it was nailed shut <laughs> never talked to my parents about how they found out i'm 45 <laughs> oh that's so great and now i'm remembering we i was saying earlier brett that i like i never i don't remember sneaking out or coming home late or anything like that and now i'm remembering how i used to sneak in <laughs> to the basement of my boyfriend's house and and my in-laws because i ended up marrying my high school boyfriend um have called me out on that a few times they we would sit in their carport and they'd be like loren do you still know how to get in that window do you want to give it a shot right now just in case there's like an emergency situation i'm like i don't know i don't know what you're talking about you are mm -hmm. saving a ton of money on therapy doing Mm -hmm. this show are you not it just slowly things are coming coming to light yes I was like, I never did that. Yes, you did. Oh, my voice gets all high and crackly. And like, I get like, like this rash grows up on my neck. No, I don't. I don't think I could fit through that window right now. I don't know how I did it back then. Isn't it funny that still to this day, it's something that is an embarrassing thing to discuss with the in-laws. That is just priceless. But just getting caught. I was like, oh, they knew. (laughs) That's embarrassing. But Kat and Gimli is our winner, Loren. And what did Kat and Gimli tell us? She says, my kids never had a curfew because we lived six miles out of town. Nowhere to go unless I drove them. It got more complicated once they could drive, but they still needed to borrow my car. After my oldest turned 18, he bored my car and disappeared for three days, not answering his cell phone. I called the police, reported him missing. They tracked him down at his friend's place in a town just 40 minutes drive away and told him to get home. His friend's parents had been thrilled not to have the RCMP show up at their doors. He came home angry at me. Mom, I'm an adult now. I can do what I want. I had to roll out the not under my roof or with my car lecture. (laughs) She adds, kids... Sigh. <laughs> Congratulations, Kat in Gimli. Great stories all around at 204-780-6868. And thank you for participating. As always, Kat wins the $20 gift card for Santa Lucia Pizza.
We're about to speak to someone, Loren, whose quest is to help make things simple for women on their journey to and through motherhood. For women trying to conceive new moms, there are so many questions, but there are also a lot of resources that are available. The thing is, when you're trying to track those resources down, you can feel a little overwhelming. Well, as the saying goes, there's now an app for that. Juliana Avelia is a holistic nutritionist and doula, and she's the creator of the Made Simple app. Good morning, Juliana. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. I'm curious how this all started for you in terms of what drives your passion to help women who want to be moms or new moms or people who are just making those decisions as we speak. Okay, yeah. So as a mother of three, you know, I always had a dream to be a mom. And when I became a mother exactly 11 years ago, today's my oldest son's birthday. <laughs> so I saw that this was my passion. And I, I kind of like went deep on learning how to provide the best choices for my baby. And I knew at that point, 11 years ago, that it was not that easy what, as, when, as I, I thought. So I started like learning and researching and understanding how nutrition and food could make difference in, in his life. And later on with my other two, two sons, I am now a mother of a newborn, only two months old. And I faced like personally, some challenges to find the right path to find how I could provide some uh, support in different areas of their development. And I understood of my learning and becoming a holistic nutritionist that we could start having this, uh, this help and this support from many areas and not only nutrition. And I, I decided to go to went deep again and being working with moms for two years now in Winnipeg, trying to conceive pregnant and during their postpartum, I saw that this would be like the best way, you know, investing in a, in a woman's health even before conceiving a baby and then investing on the mom's health to support this baby develop inside their body yet can provide like greater chances for the optimal health for this baby and human being in the future. So before we talk about the app then, could you maybe just tell us a little bit, what exactly is a holistic nutritionist? Okay, so a holistic nutritionist is a profession that, of course, uh, talks about food and provides like meal planning and a whole understanding about the nutrients in the food. But we also look at the person as an entire person, an entire human being. So we consider the mental health their spiritual health. So we say that a holistic nutritionist will look at the mind, body, and soul. So that's why when I, when I understand that a teamwork would work better than only a, a meal plan or a diet, I understand that many people, um, you know, specialize in different areas of uh, health and wellness can provide the greater support for the, the person. And this is what holistic nutrition, nutritionist does. We understand each person that, uh, uh, as a unique human being, and we're going to take care of that person. It's not about like a piece of paper or giving, they are going home with a pre-made diet or pre-made meal plan. So when I see a patient, I will listen to their stories. I will understand their beliefs. I will understand their uh, routine, their lifestyle, and I will adapt my uh, knowledge on their uh, personal needs. So each person, 
each patient for me is a new, is a unique person and I need to take care of that person. So I listen to their story and I think this is the main thing. And then after that, everything that I propose, it's easier for them to follow. It's easier and then makes more sense for them to uh, instead of having like a pre-made diet or something that is presented for like a mass of people. Yeah, let's face it. Uh, not everybody likes the same food. Uh, the same food groups are a challenge for enough of us. But if you don't like, you know, a limited or if you do like a limited number of things in the certain food groups, then getting one of these blanket programs doesn't help very much, Juliana. So I like the idea that you're sort of going back to basics, but technology is allowing you to completely personalize this for me. So t- tell us a little bit about the, the Made Simple app. Yeah, so the Made Simple app put together under one umbrella everything that I just said. So if you, the, the, the app is free to download, so there's no cost to assess the app. You can download on App Store or Google Play, depending on the, the phone or iPad that you have. Um, so you're going to have a set of articles written by the best experts in the city. So you're going to have uh, knowledge. So you're going to learn. This is, is about also my, as, as you just mentioned about like a holistic nutrition, is in my job is empower people with knowledge. So I want to share them. I want to te- teach them so they can have their own path. So you said it's not everybody that likes the same type of food. But if I explain to you how important one type of food is, is for your moment of life, maybe learning about that food, you're going to be more open to try and to try different alternatives of that types of nutrients that you are in need in your body. So this is what the app is about. It's not telling you how nutrition or acupuncture or um, massage uh, can help you thrive, but teaching you how these different therapies can help you with your goal. So if you assess the app, you're going to have like as a, a resource of information, as I said, the articles that are reading and uh, the app is updated every two weeks. So we're going to have a new content every two weeks on your fingertips. If you want to use the app as a resource of finding the local businesses, local health providers and products near, near you, you're going to assess the local business services. And everything in the app is uh, divided and split in four categories. So if you're trying to conceive, you're going you're gonna to click on the fertility. So you're going to find everything related with fertility. If you are pregnant already, another category. Postpartum and little ones, the same. Uh, and then also you're going to find a meal plans, of course, some like easier one step to get inspired with fair prices, ready to download through the app. Uh, you're going to have uh, virtual classes. So we're gonna, we are having coming up on May 6th, a natural breastfeeding made simple. So ways of, um, you know, learning virtually with one of our experts about natural breastfeeding. So you can sign up to virtual classes with discounts. This is the best thing, right? Everyone during the pandemic want to save some money. So all the experts and our classes are provided uh, with some discounts. So you're going to have an advantage going through the app, downloading it, and then having discounts on acupuncture section, doula services, uh, or nutrition plans. You're going to have a set of all of those in on your fingertips with like a commodity to have this on your phone. It's different of going in a social media because you have all these links coming up all the time. So you can have, you'll be very confused nowadays on social media, right? Mm-hmm. With the app, no. You're going to have the link there. The icony, you go and click, and then you'll find out the, what is new. And also, we're going to migrate 
uh, in the future, in the near future, in a month or so, for a new platform that will allow you to have some push notifications. So it will allow you to be aware about what's going on, new articles coming up, a new coupon, a new class, everything, uh, you know, to interact you more with the, with the app, with the community too. We're gonna ha- we have to a community spot that you can connect with other moms facing the same struggles that you are. Juliana, when you talk about um, struggles, there's struggles after you have your baby. There's sometimes struggles during pregnancy. And of course, this week is National Infertility Awareness Week. And we've talked a bit about it on our show uh, this week in terms of the struggles for men and women and the conversations they need to have. And so I think I'm curious what you've heard from users of the app about the fact that it allows them to ask the questions and go find the resources that they might want to find. But sometimes people want to keep certain things private. And so how can it help people and would be moms who are trying to conceive get some of the answers they might be looking for. Yeah. So the good thing about the app, every article that we're reading is written by the a fertility professional. For example, you have access of their phone number and their email. So if you have a private question that you want to to listen from someone that truly can help you and support you, you can direct message that expert, and they will be more than happy to answer your questions and show you how they can support you. Uh, and also, uh, there is a community. So as I said, you, if you go in a community in the app. You click on the fertility community and you can connect with other mothers because sometimes talking and opening your heart for another mother that is facing the same struggle, especially with fertility, that is very delicate and very hard on moms. I feel that when you have like someone that is facing the same thing that as you are, it's easier for you to deal with that or it's easier for you to understand alternatives to overcome a pain of overcome a harmless and go and move forward. Right. So it's all it's all about it. And one of my passions nowadays, uh, 10 years ago, was children. Nowadays is treating those women. I love when I have someone in my office that I can listen to their story and they feel supported and they they learn with me. They they feel empowered and they go and catch their results. They achieve what they want. And when I come, they come back to me and say, I'm pregnant. This is my win. No money pays the the happiness of some women that were just struggling and, you know, going to fertility treatments without success. But when they combine different therapies and nutrition, they come back with a healthy pregnancy and later on with a healthy baby. This is there's a, it's a payless. <laughs> Juliana Avelia, holistic nutritionist and a doula. She is the creator of the Made Simple app and her website is madesimplenutrition.com. Juliana, this has been a pleasure. Thank you very much for joining us this morning. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I have you all a great weekend. You too. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.